0: and welcome to the 11th episode of the cincinnati cabinet of curiosities presents hometown haunts if you're new to the channel and to the podcast i am kat Kloko, the host of the cincinnati cabinet of curiosities hometown haunts and tonight with me i have christina wald and jen kohler hello
1: ladies hello hello
0: and if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Sin Cabinet Curio or on Instagram, Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities. And if you have a hometown haunt or creepy creature or urban legend that you want to share or a crybaby bridge story to help out our friend, James Willis, you can email them to Curiosities at gmail.com. That's C-I-N-C-Y-C-U-R-I-O s-i-t-i-e-s at gmail.com and also we're an official podcast now yay we're on itunes and soundcloud you can find us at cincinnati cabinet of curiosities in that on itunes and soundcloud please rate and review us so you can share the spooky love with other people who also love the strange and unusual
1: yeah we're very close to being able to get our special url because so close so close so please like and subscribe
0: yes Yes. what what can we call them the
1: spooky army yes yes the uh the curious army perhaps the curious army yes (laughs) curious army rise rise my
0: curious army hit that subscribe button so we can get a vanity url to make it super easy to find us
1: yes yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so are we going to start with we can start with
0: weird things we saw this week and christina you want to start us off
1: yes um i love this idea of howling monster wolf rob- robots deployed in japan to scare away wild bears they look pretty scary too and it feels very japanese now you said that you've been in this place before right cat not
0: to this exact town but i have been to hokkaido and just about i'm gonna say a half an hour south of this particular town so uh for those who are listening i used to live in japan and one of the great things i got to do was sightsee and i got to go up to sapporo for the snow festival to hokkaido where these wonderful monster wolf robots now frolic through the fields
1: well, it's interesting because they said it's to scare away wild bears. So is mm-hmm. there some sort of conservation? Because often like these top tier predators don't do well uh, when they clash with humans and it usually is disastrous for the these predators. So I like that they're doing something that's to scare them away rather than killing them. Is that yeah. part of a conservation project probably in Japan?
0: Well, I think they're starting to inch closer to conservation. I haven't read up Exclu- extremely on this particular subject but yeah they're trying to keep bears just away from the population as you mm-hmm. said instead of mingling inside um the article that we have apparently wild berries and acorns didn't sprout a whole lot this year so the dog the dogs um the bears are kind of starved so they're rummaging through trash and mm-hmm. uh, just trying to find something to eat before going into hibernation and yeah they created these there's two monster wolf robots why am i reporting on your article no no
1: i, I, <laughs> I, I you could keep going
0: okay that <laughs> were created just really to um, scare the bears away from the population centers i'm sure they also work for the wild boar that are super scary to run into in japan and um i have not included it, it, i've never actually experienced a wild boar but i do know you can eat bear meat in parts of japan because i've done that so there are wild bear and boar everywhere and they're just people it's just, it's just like in the united states when you have a bear and a person mm-hmm. to each other it, it Mutually, everyone's scared. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I love the design of them. They're, they're you know, if you click on, click on the link to the article in our show notes, um, it's it's just how you'd imagine it would look like. And it's animatronic. It has, when motion detectors are activated, it moves its head, flashes lights, and emits 60 different sounds ranging from wolfish howling to machinery noises. I'm and, watching it right now. <laughs> and the machinery maker, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, let me... It's O-H T A S E I K I. Let me I, I have floated away
0: from that. <laughs> it says that um, he,
1: it's where did it go? Ota Seki. Otaseki has sold about 70 units of the robot since 2018. So I that seems see like that. quite a lot for a little town.
0: I don't think it's all to this town. Like I said, a lot of the northern towns, Japan has an Alps, much like you would think of in Europe and Mm -hmm. um i'm trying to find our windows i'm sorry so one of the hosts families actually our sister city to mishawaka is shio which is up in the alps and their big product is growing grapes and they're known for matsumoto castle which is one of the few full wooden castles still standing in japan um Mm -hmm. so one of the great things and this is why i've experienced being in an area with wild boars the boars are huge they have tusks and they are not shy to attack people so i remember being outside just doing um hand fireworks like sparklers during uh it was i think it was all bone so it was august and i remember my host dad coming in and going yeah you want to not be too far away from the house just in case there's boars because they will come charging at you and take you out and boars can eat people just like large pigs can oh jen oh (laughs) i mean i knew they were
2: uh jerks but i didn't think they would eat you but all right
0: (laughs) oh you didn't know that was a good way to dispose of a body
2: well, yes, that to i was gonna
1: say is it that I, is it that or,
2: um do they eat people for food
1: what was it the, what, <laughs> what, yeah. what was that movie <laughs> with the guy uh what was that sexy beast is that what the name of that movie was with the guy that played uh yeah that played gandhi uh what's that actor's name
2: um, ben kingsley yeah ben, ben kingsley
1: because my brother used to always say you should watch gandhi and then watch sexy beast because of the difference of the characters but remember that's how he dispatched of his enemies was he fed them to boars well
0: yeah in the hannibal series there's a whole pig murder pig thing and <laughs> there's uh, some actual serial killers both american and canadian mm-hmm. that have that just have the people yes
2: and i just it's Terrifying to think that a wild boar can knock you down and eat you because it's hungry and it's pissed off.
0: <laughs> yeah, more it will knock you Hangry. down and kill you because it's it, it will um, be pissed and then later yeah. it'll be hungry and be like, oh look, a snack, <laughs> fresh meat.
1: Mm. All right, well, tasty, from- tasty.
0: So now from- you see why these foxes. And it should be to note with the conservation thing. I think you're just about to get this to Christina. Is the wild wolves are extinct in Hokkaido? Yeah, oh, wow. that's why they had to make robots of them because mm-hmm. the actual predators are gone now. Mm-hmm. So um, that's
1: happened in a lot of areas, like Yellowstone, for example, where they brought the wolves back because you know yes. when yeah. you start messing with the with the ecosystem, there uh, things go awry. But from yeah, yeah. Japan to Cincinnati and Pringles, oh yes, Speaking this was a, <laughs> yes, this was a
0: wonderful. Oh my goodness, what a great! If you're hungry pick up some original Pringles. If you're a wild boar, pick up (laughs) a hundred. So this was a great one that it's not, it it falls into our weird things we ran into. It's not necessarily a news item. So (laughs) I found this thankfully through the r slash Cincinnati subreddit. So thank you, Reddit. You helped me with tonight's episode. I did not know that the inventor of the iconic Pringles can died here in Cincinnati and was buried in an original flavor Pringles can somewhere in Springfield Township, Ohio. So his name was Frederick J. Barr or just Fred Barr. And he used to be a work for Procter and Gamble, which is a large company here in Cincinnati. They are one of the backbones of the city. And he invented the Pringles can. Well, when he passed away in 2008, he had requested that a portion of his body, what well, I guess whatever could fit in there. Um, I did not. Remember. Ashes.
1: Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of ashes. It's going
0: to be his ashes here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I kind of jumped over the um, cremations bit, but a portion of his ashes would be put into a Pringles can and buried with his wife, Eileen. So according to a 2008 interview with Time, his eldest son, Larry, described how they stopped at a Walgreens on their way to the funeral home to buy a can of Pringles. They decided on the classic original flavor to send their father off in style. And I have have to say, family, that was wonderful yeah i I love that um he now is in a cincinnati or cincinnati springfield township cemetery if you want to look for it you can be respectful if you
1: choose to visit Mm
0: -hmm. yes
1: Yes. so do they put pringles on his grave instead of flowers i I picture like a little i am
0: sure at the anniversary of his birthday every year somebody comes a little a
1: little stack yeah (laughs) He seems like he would have been a purist though he probably didn't go for those strange flavors of pringles i don't know
0: he he could have been a fun gentleman he was a food chemist i believe
1: mm. and
0: yeah it was a chemist who specialized in food storage research and development for procter and gamble so mm. um my cousin's wife is also a food chemist so i can really appreciate this so oh, cool mm-hmm. yeah
1: all right, uh, and I guess now we segue uh, to Jen's Jen? story. And how do you pronounce it again? It's Kompus. Krompus. Kompus. Krumpus.
2: Not crump. Is not a crumpet.
1: Crumpus. <laughs>
2: Krampus, I can't
1: say it. I wish I had I wish I <laughs> had sorry. some heavy metal music to play behind this. So, heavy
0: metal music would be perfect for this segment because our segment tonight is all about Krampus or Krampus as he's known about in the United States. So, for those of you who are German, Austrian, speak German or Austrian, we are aware that we are butchering this terribly but also keep in mind that we are three women who grew up in the Midwest of America. And there is a town outside of Cincinnati that is clearly Chavoy, but is pronounced Cheviot. So I apologize in advance. The proper pronunciation as I have been taught today is Crumpus, but here in the United States, we know it as Krampus. And uh, from there, Jen, share your news story. Yes, and I apologize for letting my German ancestors down,
2: but we immigrated a long time ago. So, so I don't remember where I originally found this, I, <clears throat> this event, but every year on December 5th, they celebrate over in Germany, in Austria and that whole area, um, Krampus. So what they do is they dress up in these terrifying Krampus costumes. With just evil looking faces and horns, and they're crazy expensive. And then I think some of them they run, they do like a Krampus run, and they chase drunken people down the street. <laughs> but and it's all in celebration of the half man, half goat demon, whose legend has been around since pagan times, and whose Krampus parade is one of Europe's most pos- popular festivals. So um yeah i mean that's pretty much it just an excuse to drink and dress up and have fun and you know don't be a naughty child and they won't come after you <laughs>
1: so, it's, so it's kind of like saint patrick's day with goats yeah evil goat men mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well
2: i don't know is, is krampus evil No. no. well meh. he's just there to scare bad
0: children to be good he's a boogeyman
2: Mm -hmm. so
0: um, i i forgot to bring i have a wonderful krampus ornament that i need to unearth that i have Uh, i have to hide them when family visits because it makes me look like a very satanic cult member the only people (laughs) that appreciate that are my sister-in-law and her husband because they're deep metal fans like and they're just like that's awesome and i'm like yeah isn't it um yeah so yeah that's why i'm looking at my phone i'm being highly unprofessional right now but oh that's okay i'm looking at mine too <laughs> yes but,
2: yeah i just he's more or less this article says on TripAdvisor that he's santa's evil twin
0: yeah <laughs> i don't know if twin's quite the right word so um yeah it i ran into krampus oh goodness over a decade ago and so december 5th is krampus not so that's krampus night and uh that is i guess december 6th is the big festival for saint nicholas and so basically kind of like um mm, bigfoot or even now to now contemporarily it would be slender man Mm-hmm. krampus would go around at night on december 5th and collect naughty children so we've kind of evolved from this story that is very regional to southern germany in the alps area of austria to um to a story where it um, kids who are bad get cold from santa or no toys so i love seeing how all these christmas traditions have morphed um mm-hmm now i learned about him because of my friend jeff belanger who was really one of the first people that talked about this krampus run in the united states over a decade ago just talking about hey guys there's this really fun different holiday character that's different than the yule cat or the yule log and he's known as krampus and he kidnaps children and whacks them (laughs) with sticks isn't he fun? So that's my interpretation of Jeff. I'm sorry, Jeff. But he's very bubbly. I love it. Um,
1: yes, thank you. It's my Krampus ornament. Oh, he's Aww, neat. Let me see. Hold it? it up again. Hold it up. I'm going to
0: get him out of the box so you're uh, not seeing the um, reflective bits. He's a glass ornament who has collected a little bit of dust over the year but uh while i do this jen do you have any more of the article to share uh
2: well i did watch a video and i mean these i mean these are grown men so they're already big and then you add in this big furry devil looking costume with huge bells
1: on it and then they walk through
2: the street kind of whipping people with kind of the fringe of their costume. And it just looks like a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> there's there's a lot of interesting lore in Europe, especially like Northern Europe, but really all of Europe about you know different types of beings, uh, you know, kind of the whole world of fairy. You know, there's a lot of the thing that's really interesting about a lot of these 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 stories, and we could probably do an episode of legends of fairy and stuff like that. People being spirited away you know Mm -hmm. uh, taken away uh, by spirits and actually a lot of encounters are not that unlike um alien encounters now so there's been a lot of talk about oh look at that i can't see him
0: yes so for our viewers on youtube i have unearthed my krampus and here is his lovely tongue
2: oh Oh, he's he's awesome
0: he is awesome i'm doing my little makeup version oh there you go i'm so youtube makeup person
1: this
0: (laughs) i don't you don't okay so he has his he's holding all of his rushes that he thwacks naughty people with Mm -hmm. what i really Mm -hmm. love is a terrified child (laughs) (laughs) that is hiding (laughs) in the bag and there is the bag he actually has two children that he's sitting on with his little tail and his hoofed feet so uh this i got a few years ago archie mcphee makes this particular ornament and man they package him hardcore because he took a while to get out of there but yeah i keep him at christmas throughout december he sits on the shelf and like i said usually i have to um (laughs) um i usually have to hide them when we have guests that don't quite get them because he yeah. looks a little demonic but well, i love I him
1: that's the one thing about quarantine this year you can go full Krampus.
0: yes i even have a t-shirt that i unfortunately couldn't find before the show oh well yeah. you
1: know i have I, a friend I, that did a really wonderful kickstarter last was it last year or the year before uh uh she did a a Krampus, uh wrapping paper and gift cards and they were wonderful
0: yes and one of the things I uh discovered was through well actually I ran into them two years ago was the Krampuslof Cincinnati so Cincinnati has a very heavy German um Immigrant culture here, and uh, a good half of our city was German immigrants at one point. So we have a Bachfest, we have a huge Oktoberfest, but we also have a Krampuslauf Cincinnati, and Cincinnati being the German way to pronounce pronounce Cincinnati, so Z I N Z I N N A T I, and uh, we have this wonderful group of not only gentlemen but women as well who will run up, dress up as krampus and they do appearances at all sorts of different parades and events throughout the year i ran into them at bach fest in 2018 and um they're the ones that taught us how to pronounce this correctly and they i love how on their website they say we are not here to scare children in fact children really love us oh yeah so we are we have a strong krampus Here in Cincinnati and we've contacted them and hopefully sometime this month, they'll be able to chat with us about their stuff. I forgot what you were talking about earlier Christina.
1: Oh, no, I was I was curious about, uh, I mean, this is a good segue because I'm curious about um, where the origins of these like there's a lot of pagan symbolism involving goats and fawns and that sort of thing and i was wondering um if they know exactly what this came from i mean there's actually some um suggestions that santa and reindeer are um related to hallucinogenic plants and stuff like that they think a lot of a lot of these northern traditions had a lot to do with like uh psychedelic mushrooms and stuff like that um you know like some of the berries that the reindeer eat and some of the mm-hmm. mythology and stuff you know a lot of this is oral tradition and so I was curious if they know a lot about the origins of Krampus or if it's
0: so looking at it is kind of a lot like the origins of the Christmas tree where it was a yuletide attempts to keep greenery going throughout the dark months of the winter time so we have christmas trees as a pagan attempt to keep the green man green man alive through winter which is the harshest months um so this is really krampus is very much a bavarian austrian thing so something i discovered was the klokos if you notice i have a very german polish last name that's my husband's last name they're from northern germany and when i asked my father-in-law about this they're just like "Uh, i don't know that's a southern german thing so even within just such a what we would consider in america confined area you have vast they don't do krampus um that they're just like eh, they do that down south so um I'm looking at one of the websites and it says that legend states that Krampus punishes bad children during the Yule season and even captures particularly naughty children and takes them away into the woods. Uh, It's from dramatic folklore and the influence is long, long, long to the point where they really don't know when it started, but it started before St. Nicholas or Santa Claus came around by several centuries So because we don't have it written down particularly, we don't know when he originated. Mm -hmm. Um, Though they do have writings and illustrations of him from the 17th century. And by then he was well incorporated into the Christian Christmas folklore of the time and of the area. So that's, I think the best way we can start this particular Mm -hmm. timeline of history is from the 17th century.
1: Well, I wonder if it was something similar to sort of the Santa Claus Americanized theme had to do with illustrations done in the 1800s. Um, and that's where a lot of the Santa lore came from. Like if somebody at some, some point illustrated it or you know gave it more definition and that's where a lot of the modern stuff comes from. I'm curious, I had an article here and I'm just, where it talks about the truth about uh, Krampus and it talks about who made it popular in the U.S. I'm going to say people who love metal music and beer. That's well, my it says, guess. In 2004, the collector uh, Monty BoCamp—I don't know how you i don't know how he, Bocamp, I don't know how he his name. Uh, launched a series of books that did much to familiarize Americans with Krampus via a reprinted collection of of turn-of-the-century Krampus postcards. Thanks to those images, most Atlas Obscura readers will probably be able to describe Krampus, a distinctly satyr-like devil with dark fur and an incessantly slithering tongue
0: yes so yeah it it was something that did not get brought over to the united states too much and that's because like with a lot of immigrants that moved to the united states they felt they needed to suppress their old world stuff to fit in and assimilate better and so but postcards were definitely something like the postcards that you just mentioned Uh, If you look up Krampus, you're going to find hundreds of them. And they circulated around Germany, the Bavarian and Austrian areas. So, um, yeah, it's that this was very until really this guy posted this. It was very a unique thing that happened only in this area. And tourists could probably visit to go watch and get chased by Krampus that I know of. The way that he's illustrated with a goat head and the goat horns and the shaggy Chewbacca like fursuit that's kind of how he's looked for a while. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, I cannot remember the name because it's a tr- difficult Gaelic name. It's the horse head that is, I think, in Wales that they dress up with a white sheet and ornaments. And yeah, I know what you're talking about, and I can't arils. remember what it's called wow if i thought german was hard welsh and gaelic is super difficult um (laughs) and um that's another one where it hasn't changed a whole lot and i love how these really old characters are very skeletal and very Mm -hmm. uh well what we by modern interpretations would be scary and uh but they're really natural actually organic
1: Mm-hmm. almost well i yeah. mean so much is lost you know from the history of these old cultures and so you just really have like bits and pieces that people kind of add to and then you lose old parts and so you, you know it seems like there's a lot of our history that's that's really interesting that's lost um, yeah. you know yeah. and then one thing uh, since crampus has become popular there was a movie that starred uh tony collette that came out 2015 did you see it is it terrible oh of course it's terrible <laughs> okay Sorry. i didn't watch it i didn't watch it. i haven't seen it um and also i noticed image comics uh since you know the springs out of compass did a Krompus comic in 2014 so 2014 2015 was a big although I'd like to see more uh Brahm I don't know if you're familiar with that fantasy artist uh very famous for doing Dungeons and Dragons in the 90s and now he does his own books he did a Krompus book a couple years ago that's really lovely um I'll put links to these in the show notes yes Uh, please and I was an art show I was telling you guys I was on an art show for the uh festival here and it looked like 2013 because that's when the art was dated oh okay
0: <laughs> i should say uh, with my hot take with the movie it's a lot of folklore characters when i see them put on to film it's just kind of irks me as a folklorist going wow that's a sensational way of interpreting that particular story so <laughs> please go watch it make your own judgments here I don't love listen Tony to Clend, my hot right? take. so
1: yeah. I, I think it's difficult to depict uh the feeling of fairy and folklore and stuff like that i mean yeah. you know looking at movies like midsummer and and wicker man you know like those are all sort of in the same vein of like these tiny villages that have you know, you know legends. it's making the
0: exotic scary in a way and making mm-hmm. it feel much other and it, it's an interesting take i've i actually haven't seen midsummer
1: summer mitsumar is how it's pronounced uh, jen and i saw it together i thought it was yeah good. i it saw it, good. i've read
0: a lot of folklore's take on it and um the iconography and how it was filmed and it was interesting it was like huh okay but i do want to get back to Krompus with the there is a toned down version of what jen was describing with a parade that happens and uh it's it's chris Kindle martin is an ur- in urban centers in uh, Munich and Salzburg. And these are tourist-friendly, kid-friendly Krampus parades where kids can still see Krampus, but they see him in the daylight and you don't have torches. And it, he's quite popular with the kids and photographers.
1: I wonder if there's, is there a, uh, and, and we can talk about this in the next, because we've got a minute left. I was wondering yeah. if like Oktoberfest has a similar sort of pagan Uh, aspect to it that we don't see as much I mean Bachfest has the goat I mean it seems like there's a lot of this kind of stuff
0: but you know that's something I can quickly look up all right so we you asked before our break about Oktoberfest and if there was any actual folklore that had to do with it and the fun thing is is Oktoberfest is a wholly modern festival Which I didn't know. And I'm going to say probably most Americans don't know. Because we're just like, yeah, this is a time to drink. Especially here in Cincinnati. Because we have, what is it? The second largest Oktoberfest? We never
1: need an excuse to drink. Yeah. Yeah.
0: True. So, um, basically, Oktoberfest is the world's largest folk festival. And it started back in 1810. Did you know that? So... um, I'm looking for my original. Oh, where did it go? Um, sorry. Things just wander away all the time. So the first Oktoberfest took place in Munich on October 12th, 1810, in correspondence with the honoring of the marriage between Prince Ludwig of Bavaria and Princess Therese von Sachsen-Hindenburghausen. Hilde, I'm sorry, our German listeners. Princess Therese von sachsen Hildeburghausen. There we go. Uh, the wedding <laughs> celebrations lasted for almost a week and concluded with a horse race held in an open area that later was named after the bride's name. So it was Theresa Weiss or Theresa's Green and in the next year the celebration is repeated in combination with the state agricultural fair and in an 1818 food and drink serving booths were introduced to the fest and then it just evolved into the wonderful Oktoberfest that we know of today another fantastic bavarian invention
1: oh interesting That's pretty cool yeah so was this the mad king ludwig who did new schwanstein or is this another ludwig i don't know that one Mm, I'm sure our
0: listeners will correct us.
1: I, I, for yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I I wasn't sure. I was I was curious. I mean, because a lot of times those royal families have a lot of repeats of names.
0: Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, German history is not my strong point.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: if one of our wonderful listeners or viewers know, you feel free to chime in.
1: And you said going back to Krampus, what was the thing you found? so a few
0: weeks ago you had a news article that had to do with um basically the japanese version of krampus which is uh, the namahage so namahage we read a news article about how the prefecture of akita had said that the namahage wasn't having to go around and punish children this year because of the virus because of covid 19 so i thought i would share a small little cultural tip about namahage because it is very similar to krampus so namahage uh, is in oga is off of the oga peninsula and akita prefecture on the main island of honshu and um, so you're going to look at japan tokyo is at the bottom this place is near the top near hokkaido just literally across the um straight from that and this namahage are frightfully dressed men armed with deba knives or wood flake fakes uh or paper mache and they're wearing basically these reed coats that make them look super shaggy so instead of fur they're using their they're these wood pellet coats and they march in pairs and go door to door to people's homes, much like how in a Krampus parade they would, and admonishing children who may be guilty of laziness or bad behavior, which is the exact same thing that Krampus does. And they, mm-hmm. un- in Japan, they're yelling phrases like "Are there any crybabies around?" or wa inaka," or "Are there any naughty children around?" So wa ineka," which "ineka" is just the verb that they use up north. So it's exactly like Krampus, except for instead of happening on the night of December 5th, this is a New Year's tradition, but it's still a fall winter tradition of scaring children by screaming at them.
1: Well, maybe it just means kids are very naughty and always have been. (laughs) Yeah, that may be it.
0: (laughs) I think there's like a
1: common thread here. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I would
2: be interested in hearing stories of children that grew up with that,
0: that i would love to hear that yeah. so yet again I, i'm appealing to our viewers if you are <laughs> from Bavaria, germany or austria or part of northern honshu where you would have encountered the namahige uh, hage um please write in to us and uh, um you can write in <laughs> japanese to us so in german i have friends that speak german so
1: well you know it's interesting because we were talking about how and and you know segueing to some other uh yule type traditions like the icelandic yule cat and the yule lads and and these tales which i love the yule cat where he's a huge and vicious cat who lurks around the snowy countryside during christmas yule and eats people who have not received any new clothes to wear before christmas eve which yeah. seems like he's kind of a capitalist, which doesn't surprise me with a cat. But a giantess, <laughs> which, which there's a lot of uh, folklore about giants. And so this is about a giantess with an appetite for the flesh of mischievous children. So there's a lot of overlap with fairy tales. It seems like there's a lot of like crones, old women. This is a giantess that want to eat children. And then, of course, she has her sons, which are the Yule Lads, and there are 13 mischievous pranksters, pranksters who steal from or harass the population and all have descriptive names that convey their favorite way of harassing, which is hilarious. Um, but it seems like a lot of these myths were written down in the 1700s, and you were saying, which is also kind of similar to when... Um, the fairy tales like the Grimm's fairy tales and stuff were collected and they've recently found that a lot of the fairy tales are way older than they ever imagined like not hundreds of years old but thousands
0: yeah like Cinderella has various versions throughout the world that Mm -hmm. are like I think the Chinese version is a few thousand years old Mm
1: -hmm. so longer they don't know I mean yeah you know yeah. war and fall and rise of civilizations with these oral traditions people don't know where they came from i mean they're the yeah. first urban legends if you will. yeah
0: so you had asked about that and i remember from one of my very early anthropology classes we talked about the origins of where all of these legends came from because a lot of them tend to just stop in the 17th century if you're western and um The reason being is the nobility of the time or the upper classes were actually able to get enough rest time to go out and talk to people. That's basically what it is. So a lot of our social studies that we know in the classic modern sense, uh, not social studies, but social sciences, social studies is part of that, um, got their start around this time. And uh, with anthropology, that's Uh, just writing down culture that we see happening and it's a constantly evolving science and that's why i love seeing all these different krampus because we're taking information that we knew of from the 17th century and we're still able to layer it onto modern interpretations and yes that horror movie does get cataloged with all the rest of it because it's a modern interpretation of krampus Mm -hmm. deserving of the american pronunciation of krampus
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, it, it, that's the thing. These stories are continuously uh, reimagined and and altered and and that sort of thing. So it's it's very interesting to follow the thread. Um, I got that book a couple of years ago where somebody retranslated um, the original uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales, and they were much more grim. Uh, and they oh, said they actually were they were they were less dark in the second translation because they kind of had self edited and made them a little bit. I don't want to say fr- family friendly, but they like they were a little less raw but Mm. you know i mean the tales were very violent and and but these but people i mean imagine you couldn't see movies this was your blockbuster movie so of course you know the idea of people i mean they were like what you'd watch now i mean you like the horror and violence it's kind of uh a lot kind of like when you look at religious imagery um like in catholic churches where uh and, and actually more notably when i went to romania they have the famous painted churches and they're like comic books i mean mm. and 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 they don't show happy scenes they show like violent killing of saints and they almost are like comic panels like you know mm-hmm. this is a guy getting his head chopped yeah. off this is a guy being flayed you know and and you know people probably ate that up the way people love uh you know murder stories today like we're going to be doing a show next week about you know and people murder yeah people love that kind of stuff and so you know the fairy tales that were gruesome and violent were probably people's favorites that was like seeing a action movie you know
0: yeah life has always been really tough um mm-hmm. and uh very very bloody for most mm-hmm. of humanity um if you well, keeps you in line too Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. and it also kind of reminds you that everyone is mortal, and we're only around for so long. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, back to Yule cat, which <laughs> sounds like a boar that will eat somebody.
2: Mm-hmm. Just get a new coat; you'll be fine. Yeah,
0: it, it's <laughs> after <laughs> learning that particular story, I was like, I'm never going to be upset with receiving a new pair of socks.
2: Mm-hmm. No
0: though there it was a christmas yeah it would save your life though there was a, t- a christmas two years ago where no one in my family knew what to get me everyone got me socks wow i got 52 pairs of new
1: socks and you were like no graphic novels what's wrong with you guys yeah, it was
0: nothing yeah it was just all socks and i'm like my feet i, I like funky socks they're fun but yep. i don't need 52 pairs of right them. <laughs> <I know. And laughs> i'm still like- going opening new socks Oh like my i didn't goodness. open them all up at one time i, I saved it but um mm. going going back to the press release about the namahage that we learned about mm-hmm. a few weeks ago um the krampus love cincinnati also put out a press release yesterday and this is reading from their Facebook page. Breaking release. Krampus will not be leaving the safe confine of the Austrian Alps this year due to the masses not being able to control themselves and social distance. Even, on Chris, even the Christmas demon has had enough. Ah. <laughs> so uh, Krampus of Cincinnati is not going to be doing any events this year. And apparently neither is Krampus, which I think is the smart thing to do though if you are super super naughty expect krampus to kidnap you throw you in a sack and beat you with reeds
1: now one thing that's interesting i have a link to too because we talked a little bit about the icelandic myth is saturnalia which a lot of people talk about that too um and and it was a public holiday celebrated around december 25th in um rome And it also has a lot of similar things we see today, a time of feasting, goodwill, generosity to the poor, the exchange of gifts, and the decoration of trees. They say, but this wasn't Christmas, this was Saturnalia, the pagan Roman winter solstice festival. Uh, And and so this article was saying, was this what Christianity adopted for their, and of course their conclusion is they don't think that it was, but it does sound really close.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, Yeah, go on.
1: Oh, I was gonna say, chances are it didn't even start with Rome. I mean, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of appropriation in Rome of different cultures, again, talking about writing down these myths and stuff. you know, when a culture didn't survive and there was, you know, and even recently, I mean, you think that, oh, well, Rome obliterated a lot of these cultures when they would invade, they thought that the culture, because it wasn't Roman and it's not just the Romans that were complicit in this, our own history tends to be very Roman and Greek centric. So we tended to to look at, not we, but the people that archived history tended not to look at other historical uh, uh, things like talking about Celtic myth and that sort of thing i mean just as in the 1900s they were they almost got rid of some was it uh the irish uh they forced they the, i the it's gaelic the irish language i can't remember which it is yes almost went dead because they mm-hmm. forced children not to learn it and that was true of some of the other you know like scotland um england whales they all have their own languages and a lot of these languages are dangerously close to being lost forever and that there's also...
0: a yeah just off of that there's a lot of first nation languages and exactly. Native american languages as well yes, that indeed. are also going extinct i know when i was taking japanese at indiana university we had a few first nation professors who were trying very hard to keep Uh, records of all these and then also not just linguistics but also traditions folk traditions that were being lost because you do have uh, Native American populations where particular tribes are dwindling only in the tens of people and their cultures need to be saved they're being uh, absorbed into other local tribes that are close and similar but it's not Not the the same same. so uh, yeah that happens all over the win the was it, the history is written by the winners and yes. only recently are we actually looking at everyone who got marginalized and left behind and saying, mm-hmm. Your history is valid.
1: Yeah, we're, we've lost so much, and just think how much we could learn about how these tales traveled if we hadn't gotten rid of, because you might be able to source kind of like the travel of, of myths, because like, as you mentioned, the Cinderella stories and many, many cultures, uh-huh. and actually there's a lot of in indigenous indigenous American cultures that have similar stories to cultures in you know Europe and stuff very ancient history but when you destroy that you lose all of that history Mm -hmm. and it's very sad
0: yeah like trying to untangle the Hopewell culture which was a huge culture here in especially eastern north america had trading routes all the way down to the Olmec in Guatemala but we don't know a whole lot about them but they were integral to the establishment of a lot of other contemporary native tribes Mm-hmm. so yeah big discussion yeah, as, well, as a... james would say that's a two-bottle discussion going
1: on. <laughs> well i i just find a lot of that stuff really interesting and and yeah. you know thinking about say the krampus and and thinking about christmas and the things that we do at christmas and some of the symbols that kind of like travel through these holidays without context mm-hmm. so why do we have wreaths why do we have christmas
0: trees lights in christmas trees um the pickle hidden in the christmas tree
1: yes uh, what what is the story behind the pickle on the tree i've heard it but i don't remember what it is well we'll we'll have it next week
0: it's a tradition that's been in my family for at least three generations and or at least my father's side of the family and um yeah and there's a small gift to whomever went finds it first Mm -hmm. so Uh yeah See, I had
2: never heard of it until like a few years ago. Oh, really? Because we never did it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's fun. So I'm going to say to our viewers and listeners, if you have family traditions that you do and would like to share them with us, you can email them to cincycuriosities at gmail.com. We will share them. They can be any type of family tradition doing during New Year's, Hanukkah, and christmas and all the other wonderful celebrations in between and also i'm going to put up a compass challenge to everyone if you would like draw compass for us and tag us on instagram and twitter and that'd be great and if you send it to us we can also feature it if you give episode. us your social media, yeah, uh, in the episode, and also we'll give you your social media handle because we believe in compensating artists the best we can. Mm-hmm. Though if it's a free submission, all we can do is go, "Hey, look at that."
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't but, really pay you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if you, this is a great time to sketch Krompus, you know, it's, it's, it it's is the fifth. The bit it's it's the fifth. So it's the fifth. That's when Which is our our episode drops wednesday at midnight is the fifth what day is the fifth it's, it's saturday saturday yeah. yeah so um you know s- send us your pictures if you do anything crampus oriented or at least tag us in them yes yes uh, Yeah, we gave our social media handles mm-hmm. um and so we can go from there but i mean this is an interesting discussion because i'm i mean i think a lot of where we talk about paranormal activity and ghosts and stuff like that a lot of that ties into uh, lore that's been happening for as long as there's been humans
0: yeah that it's a subject of a future episode is ghost stories told at christmas because uh, it's a old english custom because really this is the time of the dead as mm-hmm. we've talked about when uh, a few episodes back about just halloween mm-hmm. and that stretches into christmas and i mean you have the christmas carol by um charles Dickson, dickens probably the most well-known ghost story Mm -hmm. told but there's also ghosts referenced a lot in other pop culture and like christmas songs and stuff so
1: Mm -hmm. which segues nicely into our hometown haunts which i feel like i need to do some sort of logo for that too since we have a weird things logo we need natty oh yes yes we need to
0: make natty our logo like yeah Mm -hmm, definitely oh the cat's
1: here for the great uh do you want to kick off the? i will kick us off
0: yes so for all our listeners and viewers this is our hometown haunt section and if you have a haunt that you would like to share with us you can either dm them via our social media or you can email them at cincinnat cincy curiosities at gmail.com someday i will get that correct so our first hometown haunt this week is from dave and he writes When I waited tables at Dante's years ago, Friday nights and I I always worked the late station with an older waitress. We were walking out around 2.30 in the morning together and talking, and I looked up and saw a woman in a negligee that correct yeah -hmm. yeah i was just making sure i was reading that correctly (laughs) walking on the second floor walkway of the hotel building where employees had to park i said to rita what is that woman doing walking around in a negligee at this time of night pointing up to the area and she was gone i would be it would be impossible for her to have gone anywhere because that part of the second floor had no rooms, just storage area and venting machines. We actually went up and looked, freaked me out completely, but I found out later I wasn't the only one who had seen something similar over the years. Building is torn down now. Oh, that's sad. He also includes a bonus uh, story, I think yes Mm -hmm. that was back in the 80s by the way quite a while ago my brother saw the ghost saw the ghost at the taft which is the taft theater he took the kids there and a woman dressed in period garb walked by and nodded at him he mentioned to someone later maybe at the gift shop that it was nice to see people dressed up there and was told they didn't do that
1: (laughs) Is that, that's pretty common isn't it in hauntings where people will see someone in period clothes and say wow that's really cool and it's like yeah well the they, they
0: think they're reenactors and mm-hmm. unless and this is just from this is my i guess hot take unless they blatantly state there are reenactors in the area that you're at you are seeing a ghost <laughs> Uh, i know at gettysburg they post when there's reenactments happening at fort mifflin they post when there's reenactments happening at the taft theater which is our huge theater in downtown cincinnati really
1: cool
0: it is very very cool um they don't do reenactments there so if you see someone in Edwardian or victorian clothes or even contemporary like 1950s if, if they look out of source at any point and they don't have feet they're probably dead
1: <laughs> yeah if, you, if you're going to see margaret show doing her act and you see someone in period clothing know that it's not for the show <laughs> yeah.
0: now if it was like the christmas carol and it yeah, was perhaps, a yeah. the like the, the solid interpretation where everyone's in victorian clothes then yeah then you have time to go huh i wonder but if it's a <laughs> contemporary thing like seeing red green and i see somebody in like victorian dress and a hoop skirt <laughs> mm-mm
1: Okay, uh, this one is from Nicole. I had a feeling of my granddad's presence one Christmas when I was very homesick and had not long been in this country. Didn't actually see, just felt him there, and a touch on my shoulder that woke me. That could have just been wishful thinking. But as we've mentioned before, this is supposed to be a time when the veil is thinner. Yes. And yeah. so that's a pretty common uh, occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um. And I thought that was a sweet one.
0: Yeah, that is sweet. Thank you, Nicole. sweet. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And and then Linda, you want to read Linda's? Yes.
2: Uh, Linda says, I have one in Cincinnati when I was in college. I had just laid down to go to sleep. I opened my eyes and there was a face in front of me. I screamed because I thought it was a rapist, but it faded into the wall. I called home because I thought someone died and was visiting me. Then I talked to the apartment manager. She told me several years earlier there had been a fire in this apartment and two people died. I forget the name of the apartments. It was so many years ago. Maybe my old roommates remember.
1: That sounds really scary.
0: That is scary. I'm more scared about the fact they didn't tell them that people died in their apartment.
2: (laughs) Don't they have to disclose that now? No. They don't. Only Mm -mm. if you ask.
0: Uh, you can ask most likely your realtors will not know unless you're in California Uh, it goes by state by state I believe so if you're here in Cincinnati and you go hey did anyone die in my house maybe who knows Um, I like I did property search records for the people who used to own the houses and then did obituary records in the old house that I used to uh, live in uh, we did the the previous tenants had died but not in the house they had died in a hospital so yeah. Uh, interesting yeah but it's always good to check just in case you have problems yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. then again got the a fire place. department too,
2: see if there's been any fires yeah. yeah yeah mine was in a fire and i got the
1: report from it wow oh. so That's uh not- <laughs> So next week, we're going to be uh, segueing into people dying in apartments. Uh, we're going to be doing a sort of true crime in Cincinnati yeah. episode.
0: Yes, we are. Uh, just kind of for, the, for our listeners, I wrote a haunted true crime book. So true crime is something I really love. Hello to all the fellow Queen City Murderinos out there. Um, both Jen and I are part of your army. And uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, <laughs> we are sharing an interesting story that is a very well-known urban legend here in Cincinnati that is tied to a very cold case so kind of taking a note from the murder squad if anybody has any stories knows anything about the case afterwards um, please let us know so we could pass it on Um, but don't point fingers don't out anybody um but we'll get more into that next week it will be an interesting episode it's a case i'm particularly uh, i don't want to say fond of because i don't want to be ever fond of murder cases but it interests me a lot so
1: it seems like uh talking about haunted crime that's a kind of a common segue because of the violence of the um events leading to those you know from those Uh, deaths and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing uh which were you interested in first uh ghost hunting or uh true crime stories
0: um it was i was notably interested in ghost stories first uh especially true ghost stories so urban legends actually just being interested in the cultural importance of urban legends came second to my love of haunted history and ironically a lot of haunted history somebody has to die to produce a ghost so they end up being true crime anyway and it wasn't until i became a very ardent listener of my favorite murderer and other like true crime garage and shows like that where i realized that one reason why i like haunted history is because i like the true crime aspect of it and as anthropologist even though i'm a cultural anthropologist you do still have to take some biological anthropology classes when you're a younger student so dissection of bodies knowing about body farms stuff like that is stuff that you learn about as an anthropologist uh, especially for all the forensic anthropologists out there and that's something that i really loved except for i'm really bad at chemistry so i would have been a terrible forensic anthropologist but um, I ended up writing Ohio's Haunted Crimes because I just wanted to mix the two. And it hadn't been done before. And surprisingly, there's a lot of cold cases that are preserved as ghost stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And, and what got you interested in that stuff, Jen? Because you, like, I remember at one point that's you were watching a lot of that stuff. And you were telling me oh, yeah. about the it's- serial killers.
2: It's an everyday I'm watching something, listening to something every day. Although I had to take a break earlier this year because it just right around when COVID hit and the quarantine hit, it just, it suddenly became too much for me. So yeah. I took a break, but um, I'm not sure. I mean, I've always, you know, I would mentioned before I was scared of ghosts and all that stuff. And then I got interested in it. And then at some point in high school, I read Helter Skelter and I was so angry and so disgusted by Charles Manson that I'm like, what makes someone act like that? Like I want, I always want to know the motive and why. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately you never get those answers (laughs) and I might, might be interested in a little bit of the macabre, um, but at the same time, like what my favorite murder does really well is they really honor the victims and the victim's yeah. family and they try to be really respectful. Same thing with murder squad. Yeah. And it just. And the deeper and the more deeper I delve into it, that just the more gut wrenching and heart wrenching it is. Yeah. And it just I kind of feel like by listening, those mm-hmm. people aren't forgotten. Their yeah. stories aren't forgotten and we need to stop focusing so much on the murderers jerks that
0: did that to them yeah yeah so yeah. this particular story that we're highlighting next week is one that i purposely left out of ohio's haunted crimes because her family's still alive mm-hmm. and there is a comfort zone that living people have when dealing with ghost stories of murder crime victims one reason why we can talk about h.h H. holmes and his murder castle in chicago is because this happened in 1896 so right. we have a really long cushion or buffer zone of history in between so we can mm-hmm. just talk about how he would kill his victims throw their bodies in a vat lie and sell their skeletons to medical schools that's easy to talk about now for people who are into that um right. Not everyone can listen to those details. They get very squeamish. But I couldn't talk about this case in that way, in that light without giving a lot of credence to her family and that weight without it, me actually speaking it. There's a different type of voice written versus speech. Well, yeah.
2: And also with social media and the way the world is now, I mean, I've seen and read stories of families, victims just being bombarded Mm -hmm. by armchair experts, and just, well, why did you do this? Why did this victim do that? You know, where were you? And you know, and they get like, there's no respect for the family. Yeah. And like, some people are really supportive and try to help out the families, but eventually, that all goes away. And just because it's a public case doesn't necessarily mean you have any right to that family's private information. Right. And I don't know, it just, I don't know. It's a double edged sword. Like I I enjoy reading these things and finding out about these things. I guess I'm more fascinated in like human behavior. Yeah. You make a great psychologist,
0: but, um, yeah, so the information that I take for this case all comes from public record. I unfortunately did not go interview her family um, or friends, because sometimes those are very deep wounds that don't heal. So yeah. in a way, we are going to be armchair anthropologists on this particular case. So keep that mm-hmm. in mind. Um, we're using official records. We're not going to try to throw too much speculation in Um right. Yeah. Because we're gonna to try to stay on as much on record as possible. Um yeah. but if we can just bring some more uh high just highlight this story, it's a cold case. So yeah. um if anybody may know, they may be alive and know. So yeah. That's and really- it goes with a lot of any of, of these other cold cases. Sorry, Christina.
1: Oh no, I was like, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. And also before we go, um I want you're going to be on a show this week. When's that gonna air? so
0: i'm not sure when it'll air so i'm sorry you may have to edit this bit out so i'll be on ghostly talk with them tomorrow night which will be december 1st i um am very excited because ghostly talk is a show that i've listened to for nearly its entire existence since 2002 so it's one of those old school paranormal shows um going to be on the scott and uh, in the haunted winery and everything so i'm excited i'll have more information for you in a little bit but Shall I get back to our social media, where to follow yes, us and yes. all that stuff? Okay. Navigating back up to that. So everyone, thank you for joining us on another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Hometown Haunts. I'm Cat Loco. We have Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. And if you want to follow us, you can find us on Twitter at Sin Cabinet curio, and on Instagram at CincyCabinetCurio of curiosities or since curiosities at gmail.com you can email us um, tag us if you make a Krampus illustration please tag us we love to see it uh, if you'd like to share it with us so we can have it on the show um, then just send it to us and say you have permission to air this on YouTube and yeah and you just have our thanks and enthusiasm for drawing Krampus.
1: Yeah, Krampus. Kat and I will show some of our uh, Krampus, Krampus drawings. Uh, Krampus in drawings. This week. Yes. And, and Jen, you should make something out of glass. Make a glass. Oh, glass. gosh. Okay. <laughs> maybe not for this episode, but maybe for a later one before Christmas.
2: That might, it might take a little <laughs> bit longer. And that's blown, uh-huh. so I can't do blown glass, but I can diffuse glass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, great. Well, we'll uh, see you guys next week. Yes. Yeah. Please uh-huh. like, subscribe. Yeah, you Tell like, subscribe. Friends. Let us get that let us get to that first milestone so we can have our special URL.
0: Yeah. So we can and, have our curious army. Let's
1: and everybody that. enjoy what is it? Crompus knocked. Yeah. Krampus Krampus behave.
0: Krampusnacht. Yes, yes, behave. Krampus. And,
1: and get all your family members' socks before it's too late.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Save them from that uh, Yule cat. <laughs> exactly. I almost called it the um, Wampus cat, but that's a different folk cat.
1: <laughs> New one. Make it up. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right. Well, great. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye bye.